0: Right. Well, we should be fine. I just need to look. I'm trying to find something here. I guess I ain't supposed to find it. Huh? I just couldn't. I can't find what I was looking for, so I guess I just won't find it. (laughs) I don't know. No, it's eleven. It's all right. We'll be fine. If i was supposed to find it, I done found it. Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to be in church this morning. What I just knock off? My water? Yep, sure did, didn't I? Yep. It is good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. I want you to take your red hymn book, your all-American hymn book, turn to number eight, and let's stand together as we sing, Bring It In The Sheaves. Sowing in the morning Sowing seeds of kindness, sowing in the noontide and the dewy eve. Waiting for the harvest and the time of reaping, we shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. Bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves. We shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves. sheaves. We shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. Sowing in the sunshine, sowing in the shadows, fearing neither clouds nor winter's chilling breeze. By and by the harvest and the labor ended, we shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. Bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves. We shall come rejoicing. Bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves. We shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. Going forth with weeping, sowing for the master. Though the loss is feigned, our spirit often grieves. When our weeping's over, he will bid us welcome. We shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. Bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves, we shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. Bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves, sheaves, we shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. Amen. Well, praise God. As our ushers come this morning, (coughs) we're going to take up this morning's offering, but before we do, we're going to ask for prayer requests. By the way, if y'all don't know what a sheave is, I'll tell you. I, I spent a lot of time in church singing that song. I had no idea what I was singing about. Used to a long time ago before they had tractors. They would pile wheat up in big old bundles in the middle of the field, and they'd go out there and get them after the harvest, and they'd bring them in. And Jesus compared lost souls to a ripened field of grain or a ripened field of wheat. And we're to go out. And harvest that for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what that song was all about. Going out and getting them. Amen. Not Hey, you know what? The wheat don't get itself in the barn. You can sit there and look at it all day, but it ain't going to get in the barn. Amen. You got to go get it. Amen. And we're supposed to not wait for them all to come in here. We got to go out there and reach them. Amen. But it's good to be in church this morning. Good to have so many people. It's a blessing to see so many faces. And good to see visitors this morning. We're glad y'all are with us. I want you to feel welcome. Amen. Feel Just take a deep breath and relax. You're amongst family and friends. And we're going to have a good time in the house of the Lord this morning. Um, prayer requests this morning? Okay. Okay. All right. Anybody else? Prayer requests? Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. If she gets this, it'll be good for us. So y'all, please pray that that comes through for her. Uh, she's looking at a position over in Mount Pleasant at the college over there. Just and she just finished her, got her bachelor's degree just a couple about a month ago. So uh, may this door of opportunities open. So please pray. And and I will say this too. We got our we got a test back this week. Told us everything's good with the baby, chromosome wise, everything's healthy. Uh, so, uh, we just praise God for that. Looking forward to His blessings. I oh yeah. yeah, absolutely. I was gonna mention that next. We we just we just thrilled after Wednesday night. Uh, some of y'all don't wasn't here Wednesday night, but you don't know what we're like. We standing here fixing, to get ready to start, and Grant and Bonnie come in the back door and said, Robert Joanne's been in an accident down there at the red light, 37. And uh we didn't know. I had no idea. All I could think of is eighteen with her, them side swiped or something. And uh and praise God, she's playing piano this morning and hey, stand up here, God's good, God answers prayers. I mean I had a lady this week call me, her mother was in the hospital, her heart bad heart was bad and they were scared that something was going uh, you know, she was she was fixing to go and, and she asked me to join with her in prayer and, and this morning she gave me word, said they said they don't know what was wrong with her mother's heart, it looks it's fine. They can't find nothing wrong with it. She had blood clots in her lungs, and they're gone. And uh, when, when people hook up in prayer and go to God, things happen when they trust and they believe. And I just want to give him glory this morning because he is a good God that answers prayer. Amen? Thank God. All right, anybody else before we, before we bow our heads and pray? Yes. yes, ma'am.
1: Okay, Amy
0: Pryor, remember to pray for her. Lift her up in prayer. Listen, prayer works. Let's, let's not let's not be uh, weary and well doing. Let's go with God in prayer. Brother Robert, lead us in prayer this morning. you we see take us off work. prayer in. Amen. You may say it. <laughs> turn to number 11. Love Lifted Me. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. Very deeply stained within, seeking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. From the waters lifted me, now say, am I saying now, love me, love lifted me, when nothing else could help, love lifted me, love lifted me, love lifted me, when nothing else could help, love lifted me, all my heart to him I give, ever to him I'll cling. In his blessed presence live, ever his praises sing. Love so mighty and so true merits my soul's best song. Faithful, loving service due to him belongs. Love lifted me, love lifted me when nothing else could help. Love lifted me, love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Souls in danger, look above, Jesus completely saved. He will lift you by his love out of the angry waves. He's the master of the sea, billows his will obey. He, your Savior, wants to be, be saved today. Love lifted me, love lifted me, when nothing else could help. Love lifted me, love lifted me, love lifted me, when nothing else could help. Love lifted me, praise God, amen, he lifted me up out of the miry clay. Set my feet on a solid rock, praise God. All right, let's turn over to number 34. Number 34, he keeps me singing. He put a song in my heart, amen, that this world can't take away from me, praise God. We're going to sing all five, so just rare back and let's sing. There's within my heart a melody, Jesus whispers sweet and low. Fear not, I am with thee, peace be still In all of life's ebb and flow Jesus, Jesus, Jesus Sweetest name I know Fills my every longing Keeps me singing as I go All my life was wrecked by sin and strife Discord filled my heart with pain. Jesus swept across the broken strings, stirred the slumbering chords again. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. Feasting on the riches of his grace. Resting me this sheltering wing. Always looking on his smiling face. That is why I shout and sing. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Sweetest name I know. fills my every law. Keeps me singing as I go. Though sometimes he leads through waters deep, Trials fall across the way. Though sometimes the path seems rough and steep, See his footprints all the way. Jesus, 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 Sweetest name I know. Fills my every longing. Keeps me singing as I go. Soon he's coming back to welcome me. Far beyond the starry sky. I shall wing my flight to worlds unknown. I shall reign with him on high. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus... Sweetest name I know fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. Praise God, Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. That's right. I tell you, where would I be this morning without the Lord? I'm. I just shudder to think. Amen. My life would be a mess. It was a mess. Amen. And God is. God has. By, by just submitting to him and just following the path that he's laid out before me, I've had more blessing and more peace than I've ever had trying to figure things out on my own. Amen. I just thank God for Jesus. Turn to number 40. We're going to sing this morning, Trust and Obey. Now, listen, I, it ain't always been easy. My, I ain't going to say my life's always been easy. But you know what? I, I, and when I can't see him, I just trust him. When I don't know where to step, I just wait and trust him. Amen. He's going to take care of it. Amen. That's what this one's about. We're going to sing all five of this one, too. Ready? When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still. And with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. But to trust and obey. Not a shadow can rise. Not a cloud in the sky. But a smile quickly drives it away. Not a doubt or a fear Not a sign or a tear can abide while we trust and obey Trust and obey For there's no other way To be happy in Jesus But to trust and obey Not a burden we bear Not a sorrow we share, but our toil he doth richly repay. Not a grief nor a loss, not a frown or a cross, but it's blessed if we trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. But we never can prove the delights of His love until all on the altar we lay. For the favor He shows and the joy He bestows are for them who will trust and obey. Trust and obey. For oh, there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Then in fellowship sweet, we will sit at his feet or we'll walk by his side in the way. Where he sins, we will go. Where he sins, we will go. Never fear, only trust and obey, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey, praise God. That's it. I mean, it's, it's pretty simple to live Christian life. You just, you just keep your eyes on the Lord, and you just do what he asks you to do, amen? And his way's perfect. Praise God. Well, Amen. While my sister Joanne's getting down, I wanna I wanna introduce you to a friend of ours. He's gonna come to the piano here in just a minute. Don't come just yet. But anyway, uh, Timothy Morris. We're glad he's here with us this morning. He's our friend from Mesquite. Um, he's he's like a part of our family. Uh, I got to know Timothy when he. How old were you? Sixteen? Huh? Eighteen? I thought you were younger than that. But anyway. He was eighteen. How old are you now? Thirty-three. Thirty-three. Good night, man. You're gonna get old on me. But uh, but anyway, so I've known him quite some time, and uh, Timothy was a part of our church over in Paris for a long time, and and uh, and he he lived with us for a while years ago. Um, anyway, while he was there living with us, he he just got a burden to learn sign language, so so he learned sign language. Uh, he also had a, a great burden for lo- the lost people around him But, it's, you know, God lays certain burdens on certain people And, uh, and you know, sometimes they're specific And Timothy's got a burden for lost Mormon missionaries Well, you talk about a hard mission field But he got to know a number of them And, you know, they ride a bicycle everywhere they go they don't have an automobile, and so he saw it as an opportunity to witness to them. He started giving them rides back and forth to the grocery store, playing gospel music, and talking doctrine with them every time he got a chance. And he and uh, and then he's gotten to know a lot of ex Mormons uh, who are believers now. And uh, and I mean, I'd, I'd let you get up and talk, but I know you wouldn't do it, so <laughs> but he he has done, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to build him up and. And make him out and be something he's not he's just a sinner saved by grace, but I just want you to know that uh he's quiet He don't say a whole lot um he wouldn't dare say a word to brag on himself, but I just want to brag on him this morning that uh he's 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 doing things in his life for the lord jesus christ and and uh you're working now where at? mesquite, mesquite schools and he works you're working with special special ed department and uh yeah he's he's you know he saw he saw, you know, learning sign language is a is an avenue to reach, reach the deaf community around him for Christ, and uh, and again he's working trying to reach Mormon missionaries and and uh, just and they love him, you know, it's 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 the way you go about what you do, you can witness to anybody, but Paul said I'll become all things to all men that I might by any means save some, you know, on Mars Hill he he related to those, uh, you know, to those lost. Athenians, and, and he and he could talk to them in their own language and things they can understand. And I just, I just, I'm just, I'm just very blessed to have him as my friend. He's gonna come play the piano for me this morning. He's also a really good piano player too. And I was I was thinking all the what am I gonna sing this morning? And uh, I happened to open up this this blue song book, and I found one in here that I heard a long time ago. And, uh, you know, life's uncertain. You never know what's going to happen. I, I never would have thought at 51 years old I'd, I'd have a baby on the way. You know what I'm saying? But God knows. His way's perfect. Uh, you know, if if you'd have asked me 20 years, where do you see yourself in 20 years? I probably wouldn't have told them right where I'm at. But you know what? God has a way. And his way, like I said, his way's perfect. That's what this song's all about. My father planned it all. What though the way be lonely And dark the shadows fall I know wherever it leadeth My father planned it all I sing through the shade and the sunshine I'll trust him whatever befall I sing for I cannot be silent My father planned it all There may be sunshine tomorrow Shadows may break and flee T'will be the way he chooses The father's plan for me I sing through the shade and the sunshine I'll trust him whatever befall I sing for I cannot be silent My father planned it all He guides my faltering footsteps Along the weary way For well he knows the pathway Will lead to endless days I sing through the shade and the sunshine I'll trust him whatever befall I sing for I cannot be silent My father planned it all A day of light and gladness On which no shade will fall Tis this at last awaits me my father planned it
1: all. I
0: sing through the shade and the sunshine. I'll trust him whatever befall. I sing for I cannot be silent. My father planned it all. Amen. Ain't, aren't you glad God's sovereignty is in control and we don't have to worry about everything? <coughs> told my wife, you know, I was at work. I was at work Friday, and you know, everybody was kind of getting skittish about tornadoes. They letting everybody out of school at 2 o'clock, you know. And, and I was thinking, my goodness, y'all. You know, people were just scared. And I mean, girls up there at work talking about, I don't know what we're going to do. And I said, I said look, I'm going to tell you like an old preacher man told me one time. When a, when a, tornado, when a tornado up in Broken Bow was heading directly for his house, and his wife and his daughter was, you know, they're doing like Bugs Bunny, you know, when he jumps up and down on his ear and his head and everything, you know, whoo, they, were, they were freaking out. They didn't know what to do. And he said, Mike, what are we going to do? It's coming straight at us. He said, I'm going to go in there and go to bed. She said, go to bed. He said, God knows where I'm at. If he wants to kill me, what am I going to do, run from him? I mean, that's the right attitude right there. I mean, there's something he said being stupid, too. You know, I ain't going to lay down in front of a train and say the same thing, but... But bless bless God, He's the one sent the tornado, amen and uh you know so that's you know that's the same attitude that old uh Stonewall Jackson had when he fought under r g lee he said he said i feel he said God's word had taught me to to feel uh, as safe in battle as I do in my bed. Amen. That's the way we ought all to be. We're, listen, I had a good friend, I got a good friend. Still, he's my good friend. But he made this statement one time in a message. He was preaching. He was talking about. He was preaching, talking about one of those little plastic balls, and he had a gerbil in it, and it was running across the floor. And he was saying, you know, that gerbil can't nothing get to it. The cat was trying to get the gerbil, but he couldn't get it. He said, you know, I'm like that gerbil in that little ball. He said, I'm invincible till God's done with me. Amen. And when God's through and He's ready to take you home, hey, it's time to go. But you're invincible till God's finished, Amen. Righteous. The Bible says the wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are as bold as a lion, Amen. You think about how a lion, how a lion looks. He he's not scared of nothing, Amen. All right, I want you to take your Bible this morning. Enough talking and gabbing, gabbing and jaw jacking. Let's get into this message, Amen. Uh, chapter twenty-three of Matthew. Chapter twenty-three. And we are in part 153 of Getting to Know Jesus. 153 sermons. This is the 153rd. Thank God uh, he's, he's kept me on track. Amen. And, uh, and we, are, we are inching our way toward the cross of Calvary. We're in the final week of Jesus' earthly life. And uh, Jesus is still there in the temple. We talked about it for weeks now. He's been tested by the Pharisees, he's been tested by the Sadducees, he's been tested by the Herodians, he's been tempted by every, everyone in there who, who, who did not want to hear the words of his ministry. They've all come against him, they've all tested and tried him. Just like a Passover lamb, they have inspected him for spot and they have found none. They were not able to answer him back when he, when he gave them a response. They got to the point now where the Bible says, no, after that, no man durst answer him or ask him any questions. They had run out of things to come at him with. And last week, we talked about how Jesus, Jesus went on the offense and asked them, You know, who, who is the son of David? Who's, what think you of the Christ? Whose son is he? He cornered them up and he quartered a scripture to them that identified him as the Messiah, as the Son of God. They knew the scripture. They realized the man standing before us is the Christ, but they didn't want to believe it in their heart. And their head may have said so because of what they knew, the knowledge, the scripture there is. But again, there's, the difference between heaven and hell for a lot of people is about 18 inches. I know it up here, but I don't believe it in here. You hear me? I'm going to say that again. I want you to make sure you get that. The difference between heaven and hell for a lot of people is about 18 inches between your brain and your heart. You know, you've heard about Christ. You know the name Jesus Christ. You know, he's, you know the Bible says he's the Son of God. You know all that. Listen, I know George Washington lived a long time ago, and he was the first president of this country, but I don't know George. I know about George, but I don't know George. See, I've never spent any time with George, but I've spent time with Jesus, and I know him. He's my Savior. He saved me from my sins. I was lost in sin. I I was a wicked sinner. Listen, you say, how wicked were you? I wasn't no worse than just about anybody else. But you know what? I still was a wicked sinner. I'd sinned against God. It don't matter how wicked you are. Everybody is a sinner. We've all got a fallen nature. So Christ saved me. Amen? I'm thankful to be washed in the blood of the Lamb. I am thankful I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That is what this is all about. You can be religious and die in your sins and go to hell. Don't miss what I just said. You can be the most religious person in the whole wide world. You can do everything you think you're doing everything right. You can try to cross every T and dot every I You can try to dress like you think you're supposed to dress, sing like you think you're supposed to sing, read the Bible. You can do all kinds of things that you think pleases God, but if you don't come and humbly submit yourself at the cross of Calvary and admit you're a sinner and that you need forgiveness of those sins and that Christ is the sacrifice, the substitute that God the Father sent in your place, and God put your sin, the weight, the debt of your sins, on Jesus Christ. And he punished his own son in your place. He is the sacrifice, the substitute that God the Father has provided. He won't provide another. He is the one sacrifice. Jesus said in John fourteen six, I am the way, not a way, the way. The truth, there is no other truth outside of Christ Don't let these media lie to you There is no other religions that matter They're all lies out of the pit of hell Every one of them has man doing something to save himself Every one of them You may say, well, they got some kind of God that you're supposed to serve Yes, but in the end, man has to do something about his sins You say, why are you saying, I thought you were going to preach Well, I, I, God just put this on me to say Amen and I want you to understand something. You, Again, you can try to, I'll do this, do this, and do this, God. I promise I'll do this. God's not interested in your doing. God wants you to believe and trust on his son and believe that he has the power to wash your sins away so that when God the Father looks down from heaven, he doesn't see your sin anymore. You're covered by the blood of his own son. Amen. Let's get into the Bible this morning. Matthew chapter 23, and we're going to read the entire chapter this morning, all right? I won't read it first because I don't want to drag this out no longer, and we have to. So I want you to please give me just a few extra minutes this morning to cover all this because I feel so important. Now, I want you to understand what we're looking at this morning is the last earthly sermon of Jesus Christ, the very last sermon Jesus ever gave. So it's very important that we pay attention to it. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I come before you this morning. I, I love you. Thank you so much for saving me. Thank you for giving me everlasting life. Lord, thank you for giving me this opportunity, Lord, to stand behind this sacred desk and proclaim the Lord Jesus Christ in all his glory. Father, I pray, Lord, that none of this fall on deaf ears. I pray, Lord, the Holy Spirit of God open up understandings and minds and hearts today. Lord, I pray they receive the word of God gladly. I pray, Father, we see the Holy Spirit stir in our midst today. Lord, I just, I just beg you, please, do a work in 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 this place today. Do a work, Lord, in the lives of those who listen in by way of the internet today. Father, I just pray that, Lord, you have your will and way. Lord, I'm nothing. I'm just a vessel. I pray, Lord, you'd bless these lips. Lord, if anything in my life would hinder today's message, forgive me and cleanse me. Lord, fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your power. Lord, I pray the message address needs and lives today. Draw people to the cross. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so... We're going to look at something this morning. Uh, again, this last message of Jesus Christ. And it's not an easy message. He's not going easy on anybody. Jesus' last message. A lot of people would say, well, I, you know, if they just read through this, they'd say, ooh, he was mean. You know, uh, anytime there's, you preach negatively, You're you're attacking something and you're preaching. A lot of people say, ooh, I don't like that. I like them encouraging, uplifting sermons. Well, don't we all? But the truth of it is the Bible says to rebuke, reprove, and exhort. That's what it says. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. Okay, reproving and rebuking are negative. Exhortation is positive. So two-thirds of all preaching is supposed to be, from a negative point of view, denouncing sin. So that's, that's where we're at this morning, so hang on, amen? All right, so I want to set the scene this morning just for a second. I want you to, see who, I want you to know who was there when Jesus delivered this message. All right, there's three different, there's three different groups of people there. There's, there's what the Bible calls a multitude, which is just a crowd. They were there, and then there was his disciples. Those were those who agreed with the Lord Jesus Christ, had believed on him, and were following him. Disciple means disciplined one that means one whos just just like a just like a soldier in the army when the drill sergeant says it, yes sir, I mean that's the way we're to be following the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our master, he is our Lord, so there was the the crowd, there was his disciples, and then there was the group who couldn't stand him. There was the scribes and Pharisees, scribes again, those are religious lawyers, Pharisees those are people who 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 well. We're going to find out who they are. I know some of y'all know who they are, but the rest of us are going to find out who they are, okay? We're going to learn in Jesus' words, not in my words. So anyway, let's look at it this morning. we will we'll break this down into three parts this morning. Um, Jesus doesn't hold anything back. I mean, you talk about some name-calling. Jesus did some name-calling. Uh, I mean, he was bold. He spoke courageously. He calls them fools. He calls them snakes. He calls them vipers. He calls them blind guides. And seven different times he calls them hypocrites. They're wearing masks. They're pretending to be something they're not. And Jesus rips their mask off. Not literal masks, but he he rips their mask off. Now, the word for hypocrite, it comes from the the world of, of Greek drama. And it means a mask wear. These guys would come to the temple like a lot of people go to church wearing a mask, pretending to be something they're not A lot of times things we would things we would do out in public we'd never do up here. if that's the case, you're wearing a mask. I'm saying you know. If we're going to act a certain way to other people, you know, and when I say that, I'm not saying we'd never, we never sin, we never fall down, we never do anything wrong. I'm just saying the attitudes that we have elsewhere, a lot of times we would never act that way in front of church folks. That's a mask. Amen? We need, that's what we're going to address this morning. The, real, the, 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 the subject of this message is you need a relationship, not religion. I hate religion. I'll be honest with you. I, I detest religion. There's very few things in this world that make my stomach sick like religion. Religion is what sends people to hell. Religion is what starts wars. Well, I say that. There's a lot of things that start wars too, but that's, there's been a lot of them started over religion. What I need and what you need and what God intends for us to have is a personal relationship. Well, Jesus is going to address this religious crowd and I need to hurry up and quit quit leading up and get into it. So number one, let's look at we're going to look at his explanation to the crowd. So Jesus is going to Jesus is going to begin by by letting them understand what's going on. And he wants to tell this to the crowd so they understand the flaws in the teaching of these religious leaders who've been leading them astray. So Matthew chapter twenty three we're going to begin there, and I want you to look at the first flaw that he points out in their teaching is that they had a false idea or a false concept of authority. And we'll look at verses 1, 2, and 3 here. He said, then, then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Well Moses Moses led the children of Israel. They were leading the children of Israel. That's what he means by that. All their therefore, whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. Y'all ever heard that? Do as I say, not as I do. That's hypocrite. they assumed that they had authority that was not their own. They assumed that since they were in charge of the temple that they could make up their own rules. They could lay rules on people that were not there. And they call these things traditions. Well, we got them in Baptist churches. They're in all churches. Make no difference is it's Baptist or not. There's traditions everywhere. Traditions are not in this book, by the way. Amen. You may say this morning, well, oh, why ain't you got a necktie on? That's a tradition. Amen. It ain't in this book. You find it in here, I'll put one on. Amen. But it ain't in there. So, traditions, I mean, they're not scriptural, there's no basis for them. And, and, and what's really wrong is they laid all these traditions, all these all these rules on people, but guess what? They wouldn't do it. They weren't following their own rules. Amen. I mean, that'd make you mad. Somebody's trying to make you live under a set of rules, and then you find out they're not even following them themselves. Kind of makes me think of politicians. Amen. Flaw number two. They had a false concept of ministry, what it meant to minister. Amen? Listen, when you minister to somebody, you're not there to make them feel like you're their overlord and they're your subject. I got, I'm just going to say right now, that's my biggest problem with a lot of independent Baptist churches. I've been an independent Baptist preacher for a long, long time, but i got a problem with a lot of independent Baptist preachers because they like to lord over their congregation. They like to rule them with an iron fist. They like to lay all kinds of heavy burdens on their congregation that they themselves don't follow. I've known a lot of them, by the way. That's, that's hypocritical. And God help them. God help them that they change. But ministry is helping people up. Their idea of ministry was loading people down with rules and regulations that made their life miserable. Listen, these these Pharisees, these scribes, they loved they loved feeling superior. They loved feeling in charge. They loved keeping people beat down. I've said it before, but I'm going to say it again. Christianity is something to be enjoyed. It's not to be endured. Amen. The Christian life is to be enjoyed, folks. I mean. It's a blessing. It's not a burden. It's a feast. It's not a funeral. Amen? We come to church without a smile. I'm not walking around looking like we're at a funeral. Amen? That's one reason I never did like organ music in church. It makes it sound like you're at a funeral. Amen? I mean, y'all may like it. Y'all just have mercy on me. <laughs> but, but listen, they they, they didn't realize. It. Verse 4, I, I, I jumped without reading the verse. It says, for they bind heavy burdens and and grievous to be born, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. They're not going to do it, but they want you to do it. Amen? All right, the third flaw. The third flaw I see is not only do they have a false concept of authority and what ministry was, but they had a false idea of what greatness was. Verse 5, it says, But all their works they do for to be seen of men. They just want somebody to notice them. They walk around with their chest puffed out. Look at me. I'm so head held high, looking down the nose at others, talking in a superior voice. I used to have a preacher like that. He talked like that. I mean, like he was, I mean listen, I, I never have liked that attitude. I don't know about y'all, but I just never have got along with that, folks with that kind of attitude. Amen? That superior, I'm better than you attitude when it all comes down to it, we all stink if we don't take a bath for a day or two. I'm not picking on you. Amen? (laughs) His water went out last night. I haven't played that since it come out of my mouth. But anyway, but really, none of us are superior to anybody else. All of us. All of us. We all are sinners, like I said earlier. All of us need salvation. All of us need God to clean us. Amen? And to grow us and to mature us. But they had this wrong idea of what it was to be great. Uh, it says, all their works they do to be seen of men, for they make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garment. You may say, what in the world is all that about? Well, over in, over in Israel, they still do it to this day. Uh, there are Jews, and they, they wear a band around the back of their head, and it comes around up front, and there's a black box that sits right in the middle of their forehead. It's called a phylactery. And inside of that are slips of paper that have scriptures wrote down on them, and they put that they put them rolls of paper in there in these boxes, and they wear them around all day. And then they've got one over here on their arm, and no, it's on their right arm rather. It's right here. So they got a big old black box on their right arm, and they got a band going around and around and around and around. It's like cutting into their arm. And it goes all the way down their hand and rolls around their their two middle fingers, and they hold on to it. They do that because they're they're. They think that makes them more godly. Amen. (laughs) It makes them, they think that's what, it makes them appear more godly. And see what would happen was, they, it wasn't good enough to wear one of those things on their forehead. Somebody said, well, I'm going to make mine bigger so it'll hold more scripture. So, Brother Pharisee walk in, and somebody said, "Whoa! look how big that tree is on his forehead. Look at how spiritual he is. I don't know about y'all, but I've been in churches. I'm not saying anybody in here. I'm not making mention of anybody in here, but I have been in churches where I have seen that kind of thing play out, where people try to out-spiritual each other. Maybe y'all have too. I don't know. But it's a shame when people... They, they feel like they've got to compete to be more godly than somebody else, act more godly than somebody else. Listen, I don't want to compete with nobody but, the, but me of yesterday. I just want to be closer to God. I want to be better than I was yesterday. I'm competing with me, nobody else, amen? But these people, they, they, they wanted everybody to look up to them and just say, oh, y'all are just, y'all are so godly. Y'all are so incredibly righteous. Oh, what, what a wonderful thing it is to be able to see you today. And it says they enlarge the borders of their garment. They, uh, their borders of their garment. It t- Let's see if I can find that scripture here. Oh, yeah, Numbers chapter fifteen thirty-eight. It says, speak unto the children of Israel and bid them that they make them fringes in the borders of their garments. Throughout their generations they put upon the fringe of the borders a ribbon of blue. And... uh so they would put this, they put this band of blue fringe around their garment. But the to where they was making it bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Why? So people was like, "Ooh, you must be more holy than brother so and so." I read somebody said a woman, her husband snored real bad at night. Speaking of blue ribbons, and uh, went to the doctor and he said, "Well, take a take a take something and tie it around his nose at night." Said that'll that'll cut his snoring out. So she found some. She found a blue piece of ribbon and tied it around his nose while he was sleeping that night, and he woke up the next morning, walked into the bathroom, and she walked in. She said, "How? would you sleep?" He said, "Oh, I slept pretty good." Said, "I don't know where I went last night, but I won first prize." <laughs> but anyway, they they thought they were something else with their big boxes and their blue ribbons. You ever seen a picture of them? They look kind of crazy, but uh, but anyway, they they. God was just telling them, your you're mind wants you to understand your mind. You're to, have, you're to have my word on your mind all the time. Not literally a box sitting on your mind all the time. God just wanted them to understand. You're to have your mind on the word of God, and you're to live holy because you represent me. That's what they wanted them to see, but they took it literally and started say, well, if you're not wearing this, if you haven't got one of these and one over here, then you're not holy. You can add anything you want to it. You you know what? Somebody might say, "Well, if you don't have you don't have a brown Bible, you're not right with God." Anybody else never got a brown Bible? Ooh, y'all ain't y'all are not holy as me. <laughs> That's the kind of stupid things people can get into. Listen, so I, I heard a preacher one time said, you know, uh, said he had a man tell him one time said, "You ever stepped my pulpit with a pair of wire rimmed glasses on? You ain't gonna be there long." You don't get up there flashy with them YRM glasses on. That's what people used to think. You're not going to preach in my pulpit in wingtip shoes all flashy and everything. People used to act like that. Amen. See, people got this wrong idea of greatness. It's not about how many books you can write. It's not about how many buildings you can build. It's about how many lives can you reach for Jesus. How much can you sacrifice of yourself for other people? How much will you pour out of your heart for other people and care about them and their hurts? Help them and encourage them and lift them up in the middle of their sorrows and their grief. Listen, tell them how how to fix their sin problem. Tell them where the Savior is, how to get to Him, and what to do when you get there. That's being a servant. That's being great in the eyes of the Lord. And people that do that generally don't go around and blow their own horn. Verse 6, and it says, And they love the uppermost rooms at feasts and the chief seats in the synagogue. They wanted to sit on the platform. They wanted to to be up there with the dignitaries. They wanted everybody to look at them and ooh and all over them. And Jesus said in verse 7, he said, And they love greetings in the market, and to be called of men rabbi. Rabbi. Rabbi means my great one. They like being called my great one. They wanted that honor. They don't call me Brandon. You call me my great one. No, that sounds awful. I wouldn't want you saying that about me ever. That's, they, that's they, That was the attitude they had, though. I I'm going to tell you something. If I'm ever called to do a funeral, listen, don't ever tell the funeral home to put reverend in front of my name, ever. I don't want anybody to ever call me reverend. You know, the Bible says, it says that over in Psalm 111, verse 9, that reverend is his name. That's Jesus, not me. Amen? Listen, I don't want want nobody calling me anything like that. In verse 8 it says, But be ye not called rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ, and all ye are brethren, and call no man your father upon the earth. I guess daddy's okay, but not father, it says. For one is your father, which is in heaven. Neither be ye called masters, For one is your master, even Christ. So Jesus, now listen, this is not me condemning this. This is Jesus Christ condemning this. This has not got anything to do with my opinion. This is what the Lord said. He condemns the use of the title rabbi, the title father, and the title master. I wonder if there's anybody you can think of that's in violation of that. Father, Father so-and-so. Father this, Father that. Uh, uh, we could look at maybe the lodges, m- worshipful master, things like that, in, in the Mason's Lodge, uh, and, and amongst the Jews. They still use the term rabbi. They, th- listen, Christ said don't do it. Why? Because he's in charge. He is the master. He is the great one. And nobody down here, we're all just a bunch of sinners. Amen. Thank God I'm a saved one, amen. Verse 11, he said, But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. Your servant. And whosoever shall exalt himself or lift himself up shall be abased or be brought low. You go around puffing your chest out, God will knock you flat on your back. He'll put you down. Amen. I tell you, I've seen a lot of big-time, big-shot preachers wind up in shame. Amen. There was one up in Illinois. I mean, pastor of one of the largest churches. Well, Y'all, know, y'all remember the name Jack Hiles? Well, it, his son-in-law, he wound up in prison from less than a 16-year-old girl. I'm going to tell you, you know what? He was one of the most prideful men I think I ever saw. I mean, he needs prayer. He needs prayer. I'm going tell you, you've got to watch it getting swollen up in your, in your, in your spirituality. God, God's not for that at all. He wants us humble. Amen? That's why we sang that song. One reason we sang that song this morning, trust and obey. Be humble. Submit yourself to God. Never never trying to lift yourself up. Never trying to build yourself up to be something. Let others brag on you. Let others pat you on the back. Let others talk about how how good you do this or or how good you do that. Don't go around tooting your own horn. God's not for that at all. Greatness is not found in, in being served by others. Greatness is found in serving others. I mean, and, and I want to say this, too. It's easy for us to stand here and point our fingers at others that are religious hypocrites because there's plenty of them. It's easy to do that. But you know what? You and me, we would be the same if we didn't look at ourselves in the mirror every now and then. We'd be just like them if we didn't consistently look in the mirror of the Word of God and let it tell us what we are. Amen. So, number one, we saw his explanation to the crowd, and now he's fixing to turn and look at the Pharisees. I mean, he was telling everybody else about him. Now he's looking directly at them. Verse thirteen. Now he's gonna, and by the way, he's gonna give us eight times he's gonna say this word, "Whoa." It don't mean like you're riding a horse, whoa. Okay, it means like whoa. Okay, it me. Mean, it means that this is this is bad. This is something bad's going to happen to you. We'd say, Lord, have mercy. You know, whoa, this is terrible. All right. So he's going to. He, and and what we're going to do? I know y'all have all y'all have all heard the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are. Okay, all the blessings. Well, we're going to compare them to these Pharisees who are supposed to be the religious leaders. All right. So verse thirteen. He here he starts. He says, but whoa. Unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. You you shut the door to heaven. You don't let anybody go in, and you ain't going in either. You're just going to hell and taking everybody with you. That's what Jesus was saying. Compare that to Matthew 5, 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You see, they were proud in spirit, not poor in spirit. Not only were they lost, but they was keeping everybody else lost with them. We don't want to keep people from being saved. Listen, I want everybody to go through the door, which is Christ. I want everybody to be saved. I, I don't look at anybody and think, boy, I wish you'd go to hell. I don't wish that on anybody. I don't wish damnation on a soul. Listen, my worst enemy. I don't wish them to go to hell. I, you know what I pray? I've got people who don't like me. I, I know y'all have, find that hard to believe, but I have people can't stand me. I mean, can't stand me. Hate the ground I walk on. You know what I do? I pray for them. You know what I pray? I pray, Lord, draw them to yourself because I know when they know you the way I know you, they won't feel the same about me because I love you. And when we're brother and sister, and we're brothers or whatever, then guess what? Then we will be able to get along. Or at least there won't be bitterness between us anymore. We want to be humble. He said to them in verse 14, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayer. Therefore ye shall receive the greater damnation. So what is he saying? He's saying, you know what? And he's talking about widows. There's no man in the home. There's nobody to stand up. They they go in there and they take advantage. They take advantage. And listen, I'm going to tell you right now, I look at people like Joel Osteen, these televangelists, who sit there and they plead with, 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 with folks at home who, who, who maybe they don't have a church they go to, they don't have a pastor, and they're sitting there pleading with them to send in your feed offering. Send us your faith offering, and God will bless you with thousands of dollars. It's the same kind of crowd. Just a bunch of windbags in a, in a fancy suit, robbing and fleecing people who are trusting. God help us. And he said, you know, for a pretense, they make long prayer. Oh, they won't stand there and, and act like they're so holy and sanctimonious because they can pray a long time. Look at how fancy we are. I ain't fancy. You ain't nothing. Not in God's eyes. Jesus said in Matthew 4, 5, 4, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. That sounds different from the, from the way the world sees things. See, the Pharisees and the scribes, they saw things the way this world sees it. They see it through carnal fleshly eyes they're not looking through the eyes of the spirit they're looking they're looking through their own eyes trying to justify things in their own mind that's the way people work in this world that don't know christ the things that i'm saying may not make no sense to them why because they can't see it god hasn't opened their eyes yet god hasn't opened their understanding where they can see it yet but the bible says blessed are they that mourn you say what do you mean mourn people who are going through hardships why is that a blessing Because they have a great Savior they can depend on, a great God who is there to comfort. A great God. Listen, I thank God for every time my life I've had to mourn because God has been such a great comfort to me that I wouldn't have had that comfort had I not had that grief. Blessed are they that mourn, they shall be comforted. And while they and, and by contrast, those that destroy, which the Pharisees were doing, they're condemned. Verse 15, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye compass sea and land to make one proselyte. In other words, they, you'll, you'll go across the ocean to make one just like you. And when he's made, you make him a twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. Boy, Jesus, you use some strong language. Man, I mean, if people saw him preaching like that today, they'd say, Jesus, you're not being very Christ-like, being so mean. Listen, God gets enough. And when God gets enough, he'll tell you. Amen. Amen. He don't miss words either. All right. Again, he said they'll do what they can to find to make somebody just like them. But that, that's contrasted with Matthew 5, 5. Blessed are the meek. They're not going to hurt anybody. They shall inherit the earth. But these guys circle the earth trying to convert some and send them to hell in the process. I'm gonna keep moving. We gotta move quickly. Verse 16: verse Woe unto you, ye blind guides! Now, isn't that a term? <laughs> Will you show me where that is? Yeah, come on, let me let me help you. Well, that ain't gonna you're not gonna get very far, are you? with a blind guide. That's what Jesus called them. Listen, they they're they're down there at the temple. They're there with all the fancy gold furniture and the gold ornaments and the fancy robes and the big boxes on their head and they're all sanctimonious and everybody thinks, well these are the these are the guys we gotta learn what this is all about from. They didn't have a clue. They're blind guides. I read yesterday said, you know why? You know why blind people don't jump out of airplanes, parachute? Cares the dog too bad <laughs> Amen Verse 16 He said Woe unto you ye blind guides Which say whosoever shall swear By the temple it's nothing But whosoever shall swear by the gold Of the temple he's a debtor See these guys are about Religious trinkets Swearing by the gold Of the temple and all this stuff Listen, Jesus said in Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. It's not about... I want you to understand something. There are people, uh, listen, a religious trinket means so much to them to hang on to. Oh, uh, listen, it's not about junk like that. It's not about little articles and things we can hold and, and while we pray. It's not about anything like that. Listen, we need... Jesus We need to know him We need him to live In us You say how do you do that preacher I have to get out of the way My will has to die I have to say when I get up in the morning I'm not going to do what I want to do The way I want to do it If it contradicts what God wants He's in charge I'm not the co-pilot I need to get in the back seat God's not my co-pilot either Amen. He should be driving I ought to get in the trunk and shut the lid, amen, and trust him in the dark because I know he knows the way that I don't know. He knows my way better than I know. He's no, he knows my steps better than I know them. And I'm hungering and thirsting after the knowledge of him. I hunger and thirst to know him more, more closely than I ever have before. Hold on. We, I know we got a lot of verses. We're going to skip some, so take heart, amen. Woe unto you, verse 23. Jump on down to 23. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you pay the tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done and not to leave the other undone. You see, these guys, I mean, they weren't merciful at all. They, uh, they, matter of fact, again, they were like harsh rulers over the people. And, uh, and the motive behind their giving, Jesus rejected it. He's not condemning giving or tithing or anything like that. But here's what they were doing. They were taking it to a ridiculous level. I mean, if they had a little plant there, some herbs in their window, they'd count ten leaves and tear off one. I mean, they were so ticky-tack about everything as if being that way is what God is expecting. For you to go down your little checklist every day and make sure everything is checked off in order to be right with Him. God, God cares about where you're at in your heart. God cares about where you're at on things like mercy. Toward others. God cares about where you're at on things like love, compassion, generosity. Those are the things that God cares about. By the way, when you care about those things, everything else will work itself out. Verse 24, it said, Ye blind guides which strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. You ever heard that? You've heard that phrase before, straining at a nap and swallowing a the camel. They'd take, they'd take something like cheesecloth or gauze and put it over what they were drinking and pour it through that and make sure they wasn't getting any bugs in it. I mean, that, that, that was a big deal. That was unclean. They were worried about that, but yet they'd swallow something big as a camel. They'd swallow a lie. They worried about the littlest details and they, they totally missed the boat. They'd swallow a lie that their works were good enough for God. They major on the minors and minor on majors. There's a lot of people like that. There's a lot of preachers like that. They, they, worry, they worry so much about little details. I'm, I'm, more, I'm more concerned about where your heart is than I am about necessarily what you're wearing. I, it's, it's not a matter of... Uh, it's it's, it's not, not, not that those things don't matter, but what really matters is the person inside. And when you get the person inside, when you get their eyes on Jesus, and you get them following after him and in love with him and seeking to please him, all those other, again, all those other things work themselves out. But he goes on here in verse 25. Now listen. He says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! Ye make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but with them they are full of extortion and excess. Outside, oh, they look good, but inside, again, they're rotten. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, and and that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto whited sepulchers, which indeed appear beautiful and outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. I'm sure we could go right down Short Street here, cross the road, go over in that cemetery... And I bet if we walk around for a little while, we could find us a real pretty grave marker that's, you know, made out of white stone or something. Probably been there for, for 100 years. I mean, ornate carvings in it and everything. I know over in Paris, they got all kinds of crazy things. They even got one supposed to be Jesus and a pair of cowboy boots. Oh, there's all kinds of statues and things out there. You know, and where I, I work over in Detroit every day, and I, and, um, I eat lunch usually out in the cemetery because nobody bothers me. And I'd sit out in the cemetery and eat lunch. But there's a big old grave, uh, big old, what do they call them, uh, above ground mausoleum to uh, Vice President Garner from a long time ago who was from Detroit. I mean, it looks nice sitting up there. It's It's got Garner written across the front. But you know what? If we found the key and we opened up that door and slid that thing out and opened up that casket, guess what? Old Garner's bones are just as rotten as they can be. You wouldn't want to smell the smell coming out of that thing. No. Jesus said, that's what you fellas are just like. You look real nice and pretty and ornate and like somebody really took care of the outside. But inside, you're just as rotten as a dead carcass. What strong words from Jesus. But I'm going to tell you something. If you don't know him, if you've never come to Jesus as a sinner in need of salvation and asked him to save your soul, you're just as dead on the inside. You may look alive on the outside, but you're dead on the inside. Christ is the only one that can bring you to life on the inside. Verse, verse twenty. Let's see where are we at. Verse twenty. Uh, we'll jump jump on down to verse twenty-nine. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchers of the righteous. Verse, verse. Uh, in verse uh, Matthew 5, 9 through 10, comparing it to the Sermon on the Mount, he said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. You see, but these, but these Pharisees, they, hey, they were all, they killed the prophets. They destroyed the one that God sent to tell them of the Messiah. Verse 30, he said, And you you say, if If we had been in the days of our fathers, we would have not been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Wherefore, ye be witnesses unto yourselves, that ye are the children of them which killed the prophets. Christians would be peacemakers. Even if we're persecuted, hear me, even if we're persecuted, we're to be peacemakers. But these people were persecutors. They honored the prophets' tombs, but they put them in there. They're the ones that had them put in there. Jesus is ripping the masks off these hypocrites. And by the way, let me tell you something. It's his job, not ours. It's not mine. Your job is to stand back in judgment and call somebody a hypocrite and tear them down spiritually. It's not my job. You know why? Because, listen, by the grace of God, there go I. My job is to build people up Not tear people down I've spent enough time in my life Being critical I I, want to be done with that Amen Listen I'm going to point sin out But it's not my job to go around tearing down brethren Amen? Amen And lastly He gave an explanation He gave a condemnation He told them what they were And lastly he gave a lamentation over Jerusalem. You say, "What is in the world of a lamentation? It's an expression of sorrow. It's cries of grief. A lamentation would be something that would happen when someone hears that a loved one has passed away and they just fall on the floor in grief and weeping and sorrow. That's what Jesus did over the city of Jerusalem. Jesus, listen to me, he came unto his own and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even as many as believe on his name. Jesus came, and, and, and the people who were supposed to hear and see and know and believe and rejoice that he was the Messiah come to earth, they rejected him and they didn't want him. They threw him away. And one last time, he put them in their place. He warned the congregation who heard in earshot, don't listen to these blind guides. Don't listen to these vipers, these snakes, these fools. They're going to take you to hell. Religion will take you to hell forever. Christ is the only one that can save. There's no other door. There's no other way. Jesus Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear his voice, open up, and he'll come in. Jesus is not going to kick the door down in your life. He's a gentleman. Listen to me. He's a gentleman. He knocks. He waits for you to say, Lord, come into my life. Save my soul. Jesus, weeping over, uh, over the city, he, here's what he said. He cried out, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou which kills the prophets and stone them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered, thee, gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings? You he would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. I came to you and you didn't want me, so I'm leaving you just like I found you. For I say unto you, ye shall not see me henceforth till ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Let me tell you, you, you you get what you ask for. Nothing more, nothing less. Listen, if hear me, if if all you want is a show, if all you want is for people to pat you on the back and tell you what a good spiritual person you are, I'll work with a fellow like it. He don't believe nothing, but he thinks he does, and he's so right. Everything he says and everything he does, I mean, he's so, he ar- he'll he argue with a fence post. He's so right. 24 years old, and he ain't got a clue, but he thinks he does. Hard to fix somebody like that. There's a lot of people like that, but I'm, I'm hoping this morning somebody can hear. Somebody this morning can see. This world will offer you everything to keep you from Christ. It'll offer you any kind of religion you want. There's something out there. There's a cult for everybody if that's what you're looking for. But if you want to be free from your sin, if you want, listen, if you want relief from your sin, there's Christ. If you want, listen, if you want to know that when this life comes to an end, because I'm going to tell you something, there ain't a thing anybody in this room can do to make that heart keep pumping. When it gets ready to stop, it's going to stop. There ain't a thing you can do. I, I just marvel sometimes. I told the Lord the other day, I said, what a, what a magnificent thing you've created for me to exist in. Mm-hmm. It's lasted this long. I'm amazed. As rough as I've been on it. Amen. What an, what an amazing thing that God put us in these bodies. I mean, listen, these bodies are not us. These are just vessels, man. They're just vessels. We're, we're spiritual beings. But the problem is we've got this sin problem, and the only way it can be fixed is by coming humbly to God and saying, I know that I have sinned against you. It's not that I've done something wrong against my mom and dad or my brother, my sister, my friend, somebody, or somebody I don't like. It's not that I've done something against them. I have broken your rules. I've broken your laws, God. I have sinned against you, and I need my sin to be forgiven because, Lord, I know your heaven is a perfect place, and you're a perfect God, and I can't go there and be with you like I am. I have got to be made whole. God, in his mercy and his love and his grace, sent his only begotten son into this world to pay that debt that you and I could never pay. Listen, all the burdens that those those priests and scribes and Pharisees, they put on people, they couldn't do it. They couldn't keep it. They couldn't. It's impossible. I I can't keep every rule in that book, and you can't either. That's why we have Jesus, because he did. He did it. He pleased God in everything he did. He lived righteously for me and for you. He, do, he took it all, and he did it all, and it's a gift. And that's what the Bible says. It says the wages of sin is death. If we get what we deserve because of our sin, we will spend eternity in a lake of fire and brimstone, suffering endlessly without end ever. Agony, torment, forever. That's not what God wants. And that's why Jesus said, come unto me. Come unto me. All you that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. The gift of God is eternal life. Not, not temporary. Not, not for a thousand years. Not for even a million years. Forever. Eternal you say, well, what about if I mess up again? He said, if he saves you, he'll save you from your sins. You say, I, don't want, I want him to save me from hell. Well, I mean, I don't want to go there either, but that, that's not what you're saved from. You're saved from your sins. Hell is the penalty for your sins. I wonder this morning, does somebody this morning realize they don't need religion, they need Jesus. Is there somebody here today who realizes that? I want to tell you what you need to do. We're going to stand up here in a minute. We're going to have a song. And while we're singing, everybody in this room, I guarantee everybody in this room would be thrilled, wouldn't you, if somebody came to that understanding and came to Christ and got saved. I I plead with you this morning. Don't put it off. You don't know how many more ticks you got on that clock. You don't know how many more times that heart's going to beat. I read the newspaper every now and then. You know what? There are people that die at all ages. There's lots of teenagers went out this weekend across this country that intended to go back home, but they didn't make it. There's lots of people got up and went to work and intended to come home to their spouses, and they didn't make it. There's lots of people went in the hospital to have something done. They didn't come back. Doesn't make any difference how old you are. Are you ready? Are you prepared? If today is your day, Are you ready to meet your maker? Let's stand together. You don't need religion. You need a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to turn our hymn book to 382. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, and he's calling for you to come to him. If that's that's you, if God's speaking to you, step out and come. I'll tell you, I'll take the Bible and show you how to be saved. Just step out and come. He's ready. He's ready to save your soul today. 382. Softly and tenderly Jesus is calling Calling for you and for me See on the portals He's waiting and watching Watching for you and for me. Come home, come home. Ye who are weary, come home. Earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling. Calling, O sinner, come. One more verse. Why should we tarry when Jesus is pleading, pleading for you and for me? Why should we linger and heed not his mercies, mercies for you and for me? Come home come home, ye who are weary, come home, earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling, O sinner, come home. Amen. I appreciate your patience today. I know I went a little over today. It's the first time since I've been the pastor I went over. I just want to make note of that for Robert back there, especially. But strike one, strike one all right. But come back tonight. Please don't not come back tonight because I went over this morning. I promise I won't go over tonight. I'll do my very best. But uh, gonna be starting a. I'm gonna start another little series tonight on some things, and uh, so I'd ask you to come, and uh, and be here with us. Is there any word from anybody before we dismiss this morning? By the way, it's glad to have visitors. Glad y'all were here with us. Glad to have Timothy with us. Amen. It's glad everybody's here today. Praise God. Good to have Phyllis with us again this morning. Amen. And so glad that you're doing all right. Amen. Amen. All right. Anything from anybody? All right. Well, let's go to the Lord and be dismissed. Brother Tony, dismiss us in prayer. Our heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the Lord, so we thank you for the message that we heard. We ask you to go with it. Lord, so we thank you for the yes. yes. Amen. God bless you. Have a good day. Next Saturday. Next <laughs> Saturday. Okay. Thank y'all so much. You're welcome. And it's good to see you again. Good to have you here today, man. God bless you. Y'all come back and see us. Hey, Tony. Thank y'all so much. I appreciate that stuff. Yes, sir. All right. See y'all. All right. See you, see you later. Be good. God bless you, sister. you You have a good day. <laughs> <laughs> you we know how the